hello and welcome to my podcast and vlogcast now. My name is Ali Hart and um, this is the series called the Hindsight Series. So I'm interviewing people who I know, love and respect who are making waves in their own industry. But also I'm just really into hearing life stories. And I know that you, my audience, love those too. So today I have Kate Conway. Hi, Kate. Morning, how are you? How are you? Good. It's so good to have you. Um, Kate was just in for a swim there, so I'm sure we'll be touching base on her. Yes, it is um, January the 14th, uh, 2021, yeah. and she was in open water. But um, she'll maybe uh, tell us a little bit more about that. But um, yeah, you're very welcome, Kate. It's lovely to have you. Thank you. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. It's lovely to see you in this environment. I know. It's good to see you again. Um, can you tell us a little bit about you, what you do, your background, just like as if People who are listening don't know you, you know, because obviously I know and we've just been discussing before we recorded um, about life and fun and cats. But um, let us know a little bit about you and what you do. Well, I am um, a radio presenter and oh, people say to me, if, if, I, if I meet people and I'm out and about, people, oh, you know, what do you do? And I'll say everything. So I'm a radio presenter and I also do voiceovers for TV and radio ads and videos and things like that. And I host videos and I host webinars now because obviously I used to host a lot of events like awards of dues and things like that. Not happening anymore. So um, I'm now hosting like the sort of webinars and um, like like online things. And then uh, I also have a wedding business, which at the moment is not thriving, as you can imagine. Tell you more about that. Okay, weddings, that is, is it? No wedding. Yeah. So that's, um, we run used to run two wedding fairs a year in the waterfront hall and then they would be february and september and then in the middle we would print uh, a directory which okay. was called Facebook, which was uh, we had about like 130 140 um wedding vendors in it and then okay. we would just put it across northern ireland um and we'd give it out at the wedding fairs and that kind of thing so um obviously with the, the lockdown come to that um massive changes in the wedding industry forever I think at this stage but um and then also now I've started a new app called the life lounge with Kira Dilly so amazing I saw that that's so exciting thank you yeah it is um it's an interesting story how we got to how I got to do that okay well you can tell us that in a second because um that is the cool thing being able to talk to you is um my podcast is called how to build a creative business in a noisy world and um anybody who is new hi you're very welcome but anyone who's been around for a while will know um I talk about the umbrella of creativity because it's never really one direct path do you want to share a little bit about your background growing up and school sort of your path to get to where you are because when you're talking there it's very um concise it's very much this is what I do this I do but I know that um when I met you you were doing you had a different role and um I just yeah can you tell us a little bit about the journey through life to get to here yes so I um actually did chemistry physics biology a levels interesting I'm not scientific at all right I'm not at all now and um I think I did that because I went to a school where they were very much like if you if you were good at English, then you should do law. And if you were, and then you should, if you're good at science, you should do medicine or pharmacy or something like that. And yeah. they were the only two careers that existed as yeah. far as the school were concerned. So um, I had kind of thought of because my uncle was a chemist, and I and to me that you know you had so limited access to 
careers, information, and jobs. Yeah. And, and Very different now for kids. You yeah. what you saw. So mm-hmm. because my uncle was a chemist, I thought, that's what I want to do. And, um, which would not have been a good job for me at all. Yeah. And uh, so that was the direction I so did chemistry, physics, biology. And then um, I, I went to, I went to Dunpatrick Tech to do my O's. Okay. So I've been at, at a grammar school and then I just didn't, I just got to the point where I was like, I was sick of people telling me what way to wear my hair or what way to, you know, that my hair, the, the bobble in my hair was navy, not royal blue. So it was, you know, you'll get in trouble for, and I was just like, I had enough of that. So yeah. I went to tech and I absolutely loved it. And when I got there, then I was introduced to more options. And I thought, oh, psychology, what is that? What are these things? So I, um, I ended up, I started at Queen's to do psychology. Okay. Hated it and left. But while I was there, I did um, a module in management. Okay. I only chose because uh, my friend was a year older than me and she did it in first year and said, look, Kate, it's two hours a week and it's a multiple choice exam. Everybody does really well. Like, okay. <laughs> so I did that. And I remember sitting in the lectures just being like, why have I never studied business? Like this is, it was like a light went on. I was like, I should, well, this is great. So I ended up starting again and doing a degree in what at the time was called information management. Okay. This is 1995. Yeah. Internet was only starting. So um, we were learning about um, about the internet and how it was going to change our lives. And that one day you'd be able to look at a computer and read a menu for a restaurant. Isn't that fascinating? Book a table by, by email. <laughs> 1995 your hair bubble <laughs> I know my, my, my navy hair bubble I was like oh. and how IT was going to affect society and whatever and I absolutely loved it so I did that and then um between second and third year I spent a year in America at university okay. one of those programs you know where they like a scholarship thing where yeah. they, they sent 160 um whereabouts were you there I went to Memphis and then I moved I was in Memphis for one semester I went to Louisville Kentucky for the second wow and, oh, it was great it was, it was you can imagine what it was very like. different world yeah different world and then um graduated and was going to go to Australia for a year to mm-hmm. work and then um realized uh or sorry then I, I ended up being offered a job okay agency sorry so um I, I I didn't go to Australia with my friend I stayed and I worked and um and, and what was your role then in the recruitment agency like that was admin type thing or manager was it the business no, I was like interviewing people and then placing them in jobs right and it was really high pressure and I'm not not <laughs> good at that at all so I and it was like really strict time management you had to fill in a sheet saying where you know how many minutes you spent on each phone call you know and got up to go to the toilet and like everything was detailed and I was like wow. oh, this is awful so I was there I, I burst into tears one day and left and then they had a good relationship with the people I worked with so they then placed me in Belfast Met okay we're recruiting for there and so I worked there for ended up there for 10 years so I did like a temp job and then got a, a permanent job and that's actually where because I was terrified of public speaking absolutely okay. you could not I couldn't even stood at the front of the class while you were talking do you know what I mean like I was totally not and um but when I took the job in, in marketing in Belfast Met, which was 2004, I took it despite the fact that I was going to have to go to schools and talk about courses. Okay. And so I used to have to go around to schools all over Northern Ireland. And um, sorry, my, my laptop's on the charge. Hold, give me two seconds. Okay. Sorry about this. It's okay. Two ticks. 
Where's the... You're fine. I got my lady here. Where is that, love? So, um, so I was, you know, despite the fact that I was going to have to go and do talks at schools, I took this mm -hmm. job, and to say to go to schools at nine o'clock on a Monday morning, have to talk to a room of 216 year olds or 218 year olds, you know, it was like when you were at school and somebody yeah. came in and. <laughs> And so I was like, I have, I have to make, I have to be good at this. I have to, you know, to win these guys over. And I just, bit by bit by bit, got more and more confident doing it. And then I was like, but Michael McIntyre up at the front, like all, you know, I, was, I, I fell in love with it. Yeah. Once I found my voice, I couldn't stop talking. She can tell. Isn't that interesting as well that um, the job in the recruitment agency was very time management, time bound, very specific. Like I'm, I'm assuming that would transfer really well into that going and speaking at schools in ter in terms of um, discipline and get to the point and get it done. You know, maybe I'm assuming those skills were transferable. <laughs> no, because I'm not. I'm not a person who, who does well with admin and okay, schedules and, you know, and that's probably why I ended up leaving. But I, um, I think, yeah, I really struggled with that part of the job. With, yeah. Um, kind of like just keeping records of things and, and even like mileage and stuff. I would be like, oh, just yeah. so um, then. I think it was about 2006, one of my best friends went to work in U105 when it launched mm -hmm. and I had always wanted to try being a voice artist. Okay. So she asked the guy who makes the ads there, my friend wants to try doing voiceovers and he let me come in. And then I recorded a couple of ads and he's like, you're actually really good at this. And I was like, and so I did some training. I actually went to London and recorded a voice reel with a company that right. teach you how to do it. And then whatever. And then that's how I started doing voiceovers. Something, it was something like a chance thing. And then, um, so I've been doing them since that okay and um so that's how that started so doing those and then this is bizarre in 2007 yeah. a friend of mine was auditioning to go on a game show okay with her and I did the audition and I'm reasonably good at quizzing like I'm all right at it and well, my husband would like uh, yeah I'm not the quizzes are not my favorite no are you not a no but my Michael loves the quiz and we did a quiz a family quiz which was two hours long. It was painful um, on Boxing Day via Zoom. Um, and there's like, you know, nine children involved in that too. So it was, it was chaos, but we did all have drinks, which eased the load. But anyway, Michael has regurgitated that on every Zoom call we've been. Like he loves giving a quiz. And for his 40th, we had a Zoom quiz with 80 of our friends. So um, wow. yeah. loves the quiz, <laughs> loves the quiz. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I um, so auditioned for this quiz show. And so you just did it. You you went with her. I and the did it, yeah. And I got onto it. So it was called the National Lottery People's Quiz. Okay. So it was, the premise of it was that they were scarring the UK for Britain's brightest brains. Right, I love it. Laugh when I think about this. It's not me, but anyway, I got onto it. So, um, and they, uh, it was they were it was kind of around at the time X Factor was really huge. Okay, and okay. that format was starting to be kind of replicated in more kind of scenarios. So sorry, the cats have to come here. Um, so um, they tried to do a quiz show, but like the X Factor, okay, where right. 
um, they followed the story of the contestants and you were in the thing until you got put out of it. And, you know, they were constantly doing interviews with you before the, the, the shows and, and then they would cut that into the show when it was shown, you know, in terms okay. of, you know, um, they'd ask you things like, do you think you're ruthless? And do you think you're this? And what do you think about this person and whatever? And so at, when I would do these interviews, then one of the producers said to me, you're really natural on camera. You should be a TV presenter. And I thought, okay. <laughs> And so then I went and made a show reel and I volunteered at Northern Visions TV. And through that, I met Stephen Clements. Mm -hmm. Who um, we, yeah, that's we, uh, whenever I met you in the past. Do you want to, you can tell us about Stephen now if you want. Oh, yeah, so, um, for four and a half years, I did um, a radio show with mm -hmm. Stephen. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but just to kind of set the scene. So Stephen and I did a breakfast show on Q Radio for four and a half years. And um, I'd, I'd never thought I'd ever be in radio, but this is what happens when I, I um, uh, did the Northern Visions and then I, started, I really liked that. And then uh, randomly also was in London at one stage when QVC, Shopping Channel, yeah. were having open auditions. I took myself along. So you've really gone full circle in the fear of um, speaking and stepping out, which is great. One of my um, one of my questions is about how you deal with fear. So you'll be able to answer that very well. Um, and so, yeah, I did the audition. So they were doing a thing a bit like X Factor where they were searching for a new presenter. Okay. And so they, they were making a TV show where different people would be, you know, voted out or whatever. And so I got through to the, I didn't get onto the show, but I, I made it to the last like 25 or something. Okay. So it was, um, it was, a, it was an amazing experience, but then years later, I sent a, uh, what do you call it? I decided to take a career break from Belfast Met because I thought I was doing more voiceovers. And I was doing yeah. bits and pieces. I thought, if I really want to try this, I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to take a career break and give this a go. And everybody laughed at me. Like people yeah. were like, I heard you're moving to London to be an actress. And I was like, that's not exactly it, but I am <laughs> best to kind of, so I had left. And everybody was like, why are you leaving a full-time job? Because, you know, it was, it was, you know, what in those days was considered a really stable job. So mm -hmm. I went to college and, you know, I had a good pension. I had a good, you know, I've been there for 10 years. So I had really good levels of leave and been increments and whatever. So, um, and, I, and I, I, I don't know, just something said to me, just go. And so um, did that. And then during that time, and that was when they started filming Game of Thrones. And I was like a featured extra in Game of Thrones and all. And it was, but it was the pilot. It wasn't, then they, anyway. So, um. I did that so I did loads of like sort of extra work because there was a lot of a lot of TV productions and films being made here then and so I did a lot of that and then audition. while living in London no 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 I was here I was here oh right okay. so I um I because the, the whole um the people in Belfast met everybody the story kind of just got more and more fantastical as it went okay. from the next so anyway then um I sent my show reel to QVC uh again and then I got I got a job as a what they call a guest expert. Okay. So the guest expert, it represents brands. So I represented SodaStream, getting busy with the busy. Also, um, that's not huge. So let's just take a moment for that. Yeah. yeah. I want to dig that footage up. <laughs> you know what? There was a moment when I was selling SodaStreams. And so you imagine the TV studio, there's kind of like a kitchen on one side and then the other side of it looks like a living room. The other side looks like something. Yeah. So I was starting in the kitchen bit. And in the living room section waiting to go on after me was Peter Andre because he was selling oh. a CD. And I really fancy Peter Andre. So I was yeah. sat there with this, my soda streams going like, 
this is like I'm describing a dream. Peter Andre's here. Like, did he have his top on or off? Was that just in my mind? It was off. It was off. Yeah, I can imagine that. Unfortunately, fully clothed. So, um, which is lucky for him. Anyway, so, so what year was this? Just thinking, what year was this? So to stream, but twenty ten. Okay, okay. It honestly is now. It's like my sister in law got one for Christmas. It's fantastic. It is a fantastic device. I loved it. Yeah. And living in the country, I loved it too, because we, you know, you had to drive to the shop. Your mom had to drive you to the shop. And there was only my mom and my brother and um, me. And, you know, she's like, no, I'm not going to the shop. So it felt like a treat. You know, whenever you ran out of like treats, you were looking in for the jelly that was, you know, the wee cubes of jelly. Or yeah. if they weren't in the cupboard, yes. Soda Stream was the one thing. Ours was the old one, you know, the really old yeah, school. Yeah, that's brown and cream. Yeah. Glass bottles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So I love tell it. us then after that, then what? Uh, what did that take you? That was about a year and a half, and during that time, um, I was also doing marketing for a gym close okay. to my just because like I was making up, I was just making men come up from loads of different things, you know, yeah. um, which I still do, and I was doing marketing for a gym close to me and the girl that owns the gym is now my business partner in Quirky Weddings. Ah. So that's how I met Saima. So Saima um, hired me like six pound an hour to do yeah. marketing for her gym. And then we're like two like candidates for The Apprentice when we're together. We're just like, we'll do this, we'll start this business and we'll do this. So we ended up starting a business which was meant to just be a sort of a hobby, mm -hmm. a website that would say to people, you don't have to just get married in a hotel and have a white cake. What about this? Yeah. And so that was just when people were starting to kind of be more adventurous with weddings. So we just hit it at the right time. So the when was that? Just thinking I was photographing, I was a photographer um, for five, six years, professional photographer. So I'm thinking that would be similar time. Was that around 2012? No. We started in our very first wedding fair was 2011. So we started okay. in the first one was February 2011. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but yeah, similar thing. Like I, I noticed, you know, just over those six years that I was doing it, it just evolved rapidly and really unique, really fun, you know, caricature, people doing caricatures, cakes were different, um, guest lists were different, walking down the aisle was different. So yeah, and even the word quirky is a really good... Yeah, yeah, it worked really well. And it, so we, we ran what was called the Alternative Wedding Fair, but we only yeah. did that because we wanted to do this website where we would do this and we would sell ads on that. Okay. And we didn't have a marketing budget. Yeah. So we had like 500 pounds each to start this business. And we decided, right, okay, well, why don't we run a really small wedding fair? Mm -hmm. And we did it in the black box. And we had 17 exhibitors in the main hall, but it's quite really yeah. small. In Belfast, yeah. In their cafe, um, we ran um, sort of like, it was like an hour long presentation okay. where there was 17 uh, companies, they had three minutes each. So I'm like, this is an hour, so no messing about. So everybody, they had their slides and they would get up and do their, their like elevator pitch essentially. And yep. then everybody who was um, listening had a piece of paper, like speed dating with their names and you would tick the ones you liked and then you'd write your contact details at the bottom and you give that to us. And then we couldn't do it now for GDPR. Yeah. But the idea was that you didn't have to go and speak to everybody and give them your details. Amazing. Genius. And you thought of that yourselves, two of you? Yeah. Yeah. Just because we were like, how are we going to get more people in presentations? That was it. So that was an unbelievable success. 550 people showed up and we only marketed it on Facebook. And not even, there wasn't even Facebook ads. Ads. Yeah. It was just Facebook. And we had flyers 
in botanic and like parts of like just around like walking distance Belfast yeah and um and but people were like oh yeah we need this because everything was was so straightforward with weddings and then people were dying to kind of be a bit more adventurous and then so we were saying why don't you do this why don't you do this and encouraging them and um but you were not radio presenting at this stage no so no, that wasn't even that avenue either then that's so interesting it really was, was just in my head. Mm-hmm. wasn't even in my head so um we did that and then we thought right, we'll do another one we'll do another one and it went from having 30 something exhibitors to 40 something to 70 something to 138 yeah so we went from the black box uh in the city center to the crescent arts center yeah um which you're familiar with up near queen's university and we had like 70 exhibitors there over three floors and, and people just loved the idea people just because it was so it was really laid back but we were really strict with and we still are the companies we work with because yeah. they all have to offer something a bit different but I like to think that if, if people, somebody said to me at the front door why is that company here I'd be able to say they do this this, this is why yeah. really good quality and whatever um and so it was always had to be something a wee bit different but also really good quality so we um and so I, I don't lie um but both of us are the same page nothing to do with weight loss nothing to do with anything to augment your features no teeth whitening no botox no no banks no um nothing that isn't directly for a wedding and i know it's a very good um sorry to interrupt you there but that's very good in terms of like anybody listening who is like i always talk about be like really know your brand like know what it is that you want to put out in the world and your ideal customer and what you want to so if you know those things then it actually makes every decision you make easier so it's great listen yeah. to that if you have your pillars mm-hmm. and you're right it makes every decision if you bring everything back to that and go is this does this fit our our ethos then it's easy because yeah. there's been instances where somebody has maybe cancelled last minute and can't take their space the event and i'd rather have an empty space than fill it with something because it'd be easy for me to like put in a gym or um swimming club or whatever but I just don't feel like that's something that I, I feel like people are vulnerable when they're planning their wedding because you know you're it's, it's it's very high pressure because you're thinking what's everybody going to think of this and you know um and people feel under pressure to lose weight and um and, and, and change their appearance and I don't need to be putting more pressure on them yeah. and I've and messaging for weight loss and all of that's already there isn't it it's already regurgitated through wedding magazines and drivel you know it's that's the thing I mean I'm, I'm absolutely nothing against actually Saima at the time owned a business because she had had the gym and she owned a like a laser lipo business okay do you remember years ago everybody was getting that done so it's kind of like a weight loss thing right so she and she didn't advertise at it. Mm-hmm. So and we used to get people used to give us a hard time about that. They'd be like, oh, well, you know, couples are looking for this, brides are looking for this. I, I prefer to say couples than brides and grooms right. because yeah. not always a bride and a groom. So yeah. couples are looking for that. They want to do that. And I'm like, do you know how to find Weight Watchers or Slimmer World? <laughs> I've nothing against anybody doing whatever they want to do for the way they want to lose weight, they want to get yes. whatever fine but well, that's not, not what you offer yeah and then so the presenting and um meeting Stephen and then because I remember you telling me about getting the job at Q Radio which is a radio station here in Northern Ireland because I've quite a few listeners in the states so in Belfast so what um how did you get to that stage then whenever you were so Quirky Weddings is obviously something ongoing which is lovely to hear from a creative 
background too. Um, and then the radio presenting and the voiceovers and the soda stream. Yeah, that was all happening. At, well, the when we started Quirky Weddings, yeah, um, and it started to grow. Our one of our other principles, one of our pillars was it was great and it was important to us, but it was not either of our main thing. Yes. It had to always, we had to, every decision was based to us as well around that fitting in with what else we were doing. Because Simon had a gym and then Simon um had two children. So she she needed something that kind of fit in with that. So this was perfect because we could you could do this work in the middle of the night. Yeah. You could, you know, the only time you had to be pinned down was when the wedding fair was taking place. Okay. So a week in September, we we're getting everything ready. That was the only time we had to be fully available to each other. And again, that's really powerful. I think when you have your own business or when you're self-employed is knowing things are seasonal. So you knew in September that that, that needed that time. Um, brilliant. Yeah, so that so that was the thing with it. So it always fit in. So at the same time, I was flying over back to London to do QVC. Okay. And then, um, again, and did you love that work? Like, did you enjoy that? Was it just so different? And it was bonkers. It was just really, <laughs> yeah. It was just really, you know, like because I would I would get on the plane and then I would get to um, I would land in London. One of my best friends lives in Kentish Town, so I would just stay with him all the time. Yeah. And so I would get to his house and then I would have to go to Sainsbury's and buy because it was all kitchen products that I. Okay. I I would have to bring bags and bags and bags of food for the demonstrations and then and set them up. And then, so I would have to like trail all this stuff on like two tubes mm-hmm. and a bus to get to the studios, set it all up. You're on air for like maybe seven minutes and then you strip it all away and then <laughs> away off home. It's really, you know, it's people assumed I just walked in and this was all set up. No. No, you have to, you had to kind of like, you, you were responsible for coming up with everything, like what you were saying. That's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. And how many years are you doing that? A year and a half. A year and a half. And then Quirky started to get bigger and I kind of felt I had done everything I could do. See, I only really wanted to do that so I could learn the in-ear for TV presenting. <sighs> and I went, so I would do things like go on loads of game shows and so my heart was to be a TV presenter. Okay. And so I thought, right, what are all the things that I can do that'll give me skills for this? Because, Different. you know, I have no training and I have yeah. no so I have to kind of get some so I went on five game shows and then again to be in a studio setting to kind of feel that so if you're t- you you had mentioned you want to talk, talk about dealing with fear that was how I did it by putting myself in a situation finding similar situations to put myself in so yeah. that I could so that I wouldn't be nervous whenever whenever I did get my job as a tv presenter yeah, no, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. Soon, soon. Um, um, not even. But it, uh, it is that thing, isn't it? Of um, you know, because people say to me about how do you do lives? How do you, I hate? I hate lives. I hate them, and I feel like I'm talking to myself, and I'm sick of the sound of my own voice. <clears throat> but the power of that, and the power of just showing up, and um, consistency, and how that is, um, it's kind of a device in itself. It's just it's one one in one out. You're like just get it done, isn't it? Really. Just do it, and then, but then eventually you just get used to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Live radio will help me with that, but um. So then, about so I had met Stephen through through a mutual friend. He said what I was talking about. Um, first audition for QVC. And this is when I was still working at the college. Um, a mutual friend I sent him blah 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 to QVC, and he goes, oh. Well, my friend Stephen Clements is um uh, he, he's doing shifts at Cool FM and this even going to the weekends, I think, at the time. And he wants to be a TV presenter. I'll put you in touch. And so Stephen and I Cool went, FM is a radio radio station over here too. Yep. 
So he was, he was doing shifts there. And I remember meeting him. We went for lunch in the apartment. And then... I'm sorry, I've got emotional. It's okay, I know. I, I, um, do you, so, uh, do you put in contact? I can also take this out if you want. Um, no, no, Stephen, okay. Stephen passed away in January of last year. So um, I had the privilege of meeting Stephen uh, several times and with Kate. And um, even the three of us together got to be, like it was never really frivolous chat. It was always really good grounded chat. So um, uh, their friendship, um, yeah, so it's obviously still. But anybody as well who has listened will know that I talk about uh, grief um, and how um i could be you know boiling the potatoes and it comes on so sorry if i've pushed any of that in any way but it's lovely to hear the background and the influence that he had in your career as well which is great so you guys went um for lunch and i can imagine the banter was flowing because he is the best personality just clicked straight away and then we um we decided we would work we would put together an idea for a a pilot show and it was a day show um called would like to meet so we 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 did this pilot took months and months and months anyway and then never went anywhere but we became friends and then years later I think it was 2015 I um I just got a phone call one day out of the blue from uh a guy called Robert Walsh who was the MD for here's the other cat there's the cat I love it hello um from uh Robert was the MD for Q Radio which was kind of like a, a radio, a group of radio stations that had stations in all parts of Northern Ireland except Belfast. So they then bought what was called City Beat. That's right. And made it into Q Radio, which was, you know, all over Northern Ireland. I did not know that. I knew yeah. that they were all over, but I didn't know that they weren't in Belfast. And that was why that, right, okay. So that was the missing puzzle piece for them. So then whenever they took over, um, just coincidentally at the same time the girl who had been co-hosting the breakfast show Stephen was on City Beat at the time co- doing a breakfast show yeah. and the girl who was co-hosting um left to go and work at a tv station to do uh yes I know Sarah as well yep. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and so he rang me and said um because he knew me from doing voiceovers because I would have been okay. in all the time we'd have loads of meetings and whatever and he just rang and said um Sarah's leaving and I was wondering would you like to demo to do the breakfast show with Stephen and I was like because I hadn't thought about doing radio you know occasionally I kind of thought oh I wonder what that would be like but not in the same way way that I had pursued voiceovers and pursued tv hadn't done that for radio Mm -hmm. and I was like yeah of course especially you know because I really like like a bit um I really you know I knew I got on really well with Stephen anyway and that was it and that's how I ended up hosting and live so that was something different for you too then wasn't it in terms of your live but not an extended period and you're you're talking about a product you're not it's not yeah. The same. but yeah it was live and seven minutes long as opposed to <laughs> a show four hours, four hours every day so yes yeah, so we did that then from 2015 until Stephen left Q Radio in 2019 uh to go to the BBC yeah. and that was it show. and that show was um so it was the two of you together and it was a morning show the breakfast show yeah the breakfast show until 10 yeah so my alarm used to go at four in the morning and I would have to be down there ready and starting our prep together at half five 
Wow. And then, so just to give people who maybe haven't listened to the show, um, but they should definitely look up the archives. Um, I'm assuming it's still on there, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Q Radio. Um, um, if they, like, so talking about your prep and talking, so what, what angle was it at? Because, like, I can even, I'm even giggling and I don't really know why, thinking about the show because it was kind of bonkers, but brilliant. Um, it was a play on politics sometimes and on current affairs. So how, um, from a um, strategy point of view, what 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 way did that play out? Because I remember you saying to me one time, oh, Stephen does all the, the volumes, all the buttonsy bits. Like, I, I remember you said something along those lines. So what way, what were yeah. the roles for the two of you and how did it? We had such a good partnership because he was just so spontaneous. Yeah. So they, the, the bosses would say to us, right, what have you got coming up? And they wanted us to plan everything really carefully. But that's not the way his brain worked. You know, so we would be like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this and this and this. <laughs> and then we'd come back to us the next day and go, I thought you were going to do it. And we'd be like, no, no, no. But anyway, so he could, he just couldn't. His brain was like popcorn in a microwave yeah. all the time. So we would prep to a certain point. So, I mean, there was features on the show. So every day at a certain time, you would hear Instagram. Yes. So we prep that. And then around that though, you know, I mean, I feel like on a breakfast show, people want to hear about what's going on in the world. Yeah. So it's about, essentially it's what we call sense of the day. So it should be that if someone listened to the show, you know, a year from now, or they'd be able to kind of go, oh, well that was winter. And it was, you know, when people were voting for Brexit or it was, do you know what I mean? You're able to kind of pinpoint when it was. So yeah. That's it. So we were kind of like, you know, and people, you know, they're waking up and they're kind of like, what's going on in the world? And we were telling them. So, um, so the, the prep would be looking at Twitter. I would get the papers, um, in the morning. Yes. And sit and go through them. And he would just huff. He would just lie on the sofa and be, and that was it. So I would be kind of going through the papers and getting all the things and looking for things I knew. But that's, again, that's the beauty of how his brain worked. Cause you could just hand him something and he would like that. Yeah take it to another level it was, yeah. it was a genius a total genius and and would you say brother sister relationship like the the the, the we talk about northern Ireland crack like the the banter was great the laughs were tempted me it was like brother sister and, and people used to say you are like an unmarried couple so it was mm-hmm. kind of like we had this amazing partnership that was just um as i say he was because he was really spontaneous yeah he he didn't kind of like there was all the periphery stuff that I took care of. Yeah. It was mostly drinks, food, printing things out. Yeah. You know, kind of like doing all that. And then, and he was kind of, while well, he was thinking of where he was going to take it. And then I was, you know, in on the ride. But he, um, oh, he used to, but that was it. But the, the majority of the shows, if I kind of think back to the shows that were standout shows, yeah. it was him making fun of me for something ludicrous. For example, um, there was one day, and I would make sausage rolls. You love a sausage roll. I remember that, wasn't it? <laughs> I with the sausage rolls, and my hairy he used to say I had hairy hands, <laughs> and, um, and I can confirm she doesn't. I don't see them, do you? <laughs> he would say, I would say, don't hurry hands look, and then he would say, she's whacked them. So he would, I would go out to meet people, meeting people somewhere, and they would realize, oh, that's Kate from the breakfast show, and I could see their hand, their eyes go. <laughs> And, um, so and the quizzes then, that makes sense now that you love a quiz because he liked quiz too, didn't he? Or certainly they were like 
um like off the wall quizzes I remember one of the ones was that um or just there was always a few um what's the right word for that um tawdry remarks tawdry is that the right or <laughs> innuendos is not it there was bingo in me yeah, a lot of innuendo but um but yeah I would, I would I never learned my lesson I would make the mistake of being oh, what do you have I did yesterday and I would tell a tale of something yeah. that from where I'd make a need to do it myself and then he would turn it into the whole show yeah. So one time where I had gone to make my will because I had just got divorced mm-hmm. and so um my my sister was like you need to go and make a will or whatever anyway so wasn't like I have no children or and so it was like go make your will so I went to make the will and so then he said to me on air tell me what because I it was in between links uh-huh. and I mentioned it so I got my will yesterday and then he goes just repeat what you just said and I'm like well <laughs> yesterday the whole show became about my will and um, so he was like well, what did you put me down for you wanted yeah. to know what you're getting and I was like I put you down to host my funeral uh-huh. and the whole show became about him hosting my funeral what he was going to wear what music he was going to play I remember that too actually yes um, well I it? made the mistake when I was in um when I painted Kate so you can look through the archives of my Instagram and see I painted Kate for I had a portraiture exhibition in um what do you call that Stormont in, and then I was in Belfast City Hall so I painted Kate um and was in and I made the mistake of telling about my husband had um his vasectomy I don't remember oh. that. And, then, <laughs> and then I got messages one is specifically from my husband in work saying thanks for that because I think um yeah Stephen it's well, that similar nature where you're like gullible enough to be like oh yeah I yeah, know it's fine you can mention it but oh, then I didn't know we were on air so yeah great way with people great. and that is what people love like that's where radio is is genius um and just said we're going to say there about the what had you said about the roles and um radio play uh well anyway I, well we can shift it slightly just ask like, how do you motivate yourself then in terms of um radio and then also just like dealing we we're talking there about dealing with grief and putting one foot in front of the other you can bring that into it but also in in terms of uh being in the creative industry and um, having the steps out of your comfort zone what uh, motivates you in life you can talk about swimming if you want yeah so I mean, if you're thinking about the comfort zone I don't even have a comfort zone anymore well sorry I've got, I've got this electric blanket I was gonna say there's definitely an electric blanket there which is very comfortable <laughs> and the cats comfort zone is electric blanket with cats but um in terms of um I think because, because I had I went from not 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 like in public speaking actually I didn't even really go far enough with that I had a version of agoraphobia so it was like a really extreme social phobia where I couldn't leave the house this was in 2000 I couldn't leave my house to buy a pint of milk at the end of the street and come back by myself so I, because uh, I had a traumatic incident that had kind of led me to this, like, okay. sort of place of, of retreat. Yeah. So, um, and I, I, but I just knew at the time when it was, when it was kind of getting worse, I was like, this isn't my life. I can't, this can't be it. And so what I started to do was just one tiny, tiny step after the other to get better and um, ended up going too far, selling soda streams on live TV. But <laughs> you know what I mean? So I went from that to that. But it was. Were you thankful for that, though? I so. I mean, if I hadn't, yeah, what I become. So I, I just, as I say, just one tiny thing after the other. So it was, it was as, as extreme as going and buying the pint of milk, 
and then going a wee bit further down the street by myself, going into the city centre by myself, going in for longer. Like it was, that was, those were my challenges back in those days, like 20 years ago, it was, right, I have to get myself psyched up to go. And, um, and then just- it's massive, it's massive. I had um, a student actually who came to my art class. It was one of my in-person ones a couple of years ago. And she had a fear of flying and she hadn't flown in like 19 years. And we were going through this course and I'll never remit, I forget, standing, talking to her outside. I didn't really, you know, you do, your students, you get to know them a little bit. And she had said something along the lines, I would never have joined a class until someone signed me up for this. And then she was she basically booked a flight and went. Wow. But so, but it was um it was years of of building up to that. And so she said, like, so doing a class, doing, but it's amazing how fear can cripple you. Oh, completely. Well, that was around the time that I did read actually the famous book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And do it anyway, yeah. And I just took that on board and I thought, right, I'm scared, but okay, I, you have to just be okay with moving forward even though that feeling's still there like that's okay yeah I feel it but and yes and when I was saying there about lives and I don't like them I don't like them I I like what I um the place that they get me and my business to so it's that thing of you might not you do the fear and do it feel the fear do it anyway it's like the outcome is bigger than the fear exactly yeah and um, in terms of dream so that, that, that kind of flows nicely with confidence and obviously building confidence and, and self-belief and um, dreams for yourself and for because like this idea of like self I talk about branding and um how what you put out in the world is like you and it's about longevity it's not about quick fixes and quick you know like people don't know all of that about the soda stream and all those things that brought you in and, and gathering about the year piece um, what dreams or hopes or do you have any, it can be as simple as, I don't know, um, jumping off the ladder into the pool of the cold water that you do in your open water swimming rather than stepping in or is there any big dreams that you have? Do you know what, I think because we've touched on grief obviously, I think I'm just still in that place of survival. Yeah. At the minute that I haven't, my brain, and, and I was one of those people, I suppose it's with lockdown too, one of those people who always had to, as soon as I get home from holiday, I needed the next one booked. I said, do you know what I mean? I've always yeah. think about what's coming next. And I think just with what has happened, because last year, obviously, you know, um, Stephen died by suicide. And so I've had to deal with, there's a very complex, very layered grief. And it's been very public because obviously everybody knew us as, Mm -hmm. I, I sort of said couple we were a couple but you mean people in the US are Stephen and Kate Stephen and Kate yeah. so I get a lot of messages every day from people about how they feel about Stephen or about how they feel about suicide or how they feel about something else that has happened so people feel like now they can open their hearts to me and you know I and I, I know my voice sounds like I'm annoyed about that I'm not it's just that's just my reality at the minute yeah. and um because then so we lost him and then we went into lockdown and then I had another number of quite significant life changes with, you know, in the personal life. And so I just got to the point where I was just like, just, 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 be, just be, yeah. But my brain, I catastrophize to like, because I have quite a good imagination. I would, my, my brain takes me, like if I have a negative thought, it snowballs really quickly. So I bring it in and catch myself on when I'm doing it. And um, I was seeing a, a counselor um, last year who said, uh, whenever, you know, catch, whenever I, I find myself, I'm thinking this and oh, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. She goes, bring it into this week. And so I just, so and that's the thing, I don't really have these big dreams at, at the minute. Yeah, yeah that's fair, yeah, yeah. But yeah. at the moment, I just, I'm in a place of, 
right this week what am I doing this week yeah and I mean and that that maybe sound because I'm about to tell you I have two new businesses so maybe sounds like you actually do have dreams but I just um in a, in a personal way I'm just like it's each day it's each day and each week absolutely um, you know and, and lockdown really does exemplify I actually read a blog post that I made last January um, probably around the time Stephen died um, and it was called January why are you so blue um, and I read it I guess we didn't know we were going into lockdown and there was going to be COVID um, but I read it last night aloud and, and by no means the same volume that you probably have um, people contact you but um, I would get a lot of messages about uh, grief when you share about grief because actually people are just crying out for real people in the world to say that it's not you know and, and especially um, having had suicide in my own family as well, it's a very different level of grief um, that has been, well, we're talking about the artichoke, the layers of an artichoke. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly the year, and it's really interesting, isn't it, to think that Stephen didn't even experience lockdown this whole year. And that blows my mind. Because mm-hmm. life is so different now. Yeah, so the world was so different when he was here. And um, yeah, it's... Although, well, that, just what you're saying about people need to hear that, but that, that's my, my new business um, is an, an app called the Life Lounge. Yeah. So um, the story of how it came about was um, Kira Daly, who's a makeup artist, is was very good friends with Stephen. And I knew Kira, but I didn't know her that well. You know, you know, I would have known her. I wouldn't have known her to like text her and say, let's go for coffee or anything, but yeah. I knew her. And, um, but her and Stephen were really, really good friends. So after he died, um, she and I started spending more time together, you know, like sort of sharing the grief. And yeah. she lives quite close to me. Actually, so we were walking together and whatever anyway. And Kira has had her own, you're very open about her own struggles with depression and um, different things going on in her life. And she has tried every kind of therapy you can think of. Mm-hmm. Plant medicines and um, EMDR and ev- everything, everything. So she asked me one day about... Ho- could she was thinking of hosting an event that was a bit like my wedding fair that okay. I did only with like sort of people who are different practitioners so that people because quite often when she would be talking about different sort of things she's tried people say to her how did you even know that exists mm-hmm. so she's like I just want to show people that you don't have to feel you don't have to be stuck feeling what you're feeling try these things all these things are out there so um, so anyway she, when she said this to me I was like listen I know I'm not doing a wedding fair in September and I know I'm probably not doing one in February. I don't think this event is going to happen for you because of lockdown. Um, anyway, so we've talked a bit about that. But at the same time, I have been talking to, um, I've been working with some radio consultants on me and who I am as a presenter now because you, I had gone from being Stephen and Kate to being Kate. So after he left um, Q Radio and went to the BBC, then I became a presenter of my own. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it was a whole new skill. And so I had to kind of like learn the technical side of that as well as kind of like, well, you know, because I had been kind of like the sidekicky person. So I had to kind of like change my, um, my sort of outlook. And so I've been working with some real consultants on that. And we had been talking about TV because obviously that has always still been in my head about, about yes, that. Yes. And they said, why don't you make a pilot of a show that you would want to host? And I had wanted to talk to people. I want to talk to people about how they feel and things like that. And um, so that same day that I had that meeting with Kira, I said to her, listen, I, I'm making this pilot of a TV thing. Would you come and be somebody that I interview? Mm-hmm. And it mushroomed into this app that we now have 
called the lifeline. So basically it's about cracking open your feelings. So it's saying to people, um, lockdown's awful. Lockdown is really hard. And um, and just talking about, no, we're not experts at all, but we interview people who are experts or practitioners in different things. um, So that we can say to people, look, did you have you ever thought of going for hypnotherapy? This is what it is, okay. and and so that's all explained. And you can you know we ask all different questions. But Kira is so um, Kira's just so down to earth and takes no nonsense. So Kira, if, if somebody's like sort of like one of the the people we're interviewing is is talking about something and she's like, hold on, no, it's not. Like she totally pulls <laughs> people in. So it's it's a very accessible way to learn about. That kind of thing. So it's just it's just us. It's, it's like and practically, then, app. How did you go about that? Apps or did you get? I just remember when I was working with Nula Murphy, um, and she was bringing out the moment health app. I don't know if it was for um postnatal depression as well. It's really good. I can probably uh, link you guys. But she like our apps quite tricky to do. Or was fine. That was quite easy. Oh no, we worked with a company and they did it. Great. You know, so that was that was it. But it's it's like a community. So whenever Jeez. you yeah get the app, it's kind of, you look at you get you have a feed. Mm-hmm. And all the feed is different. Um, uh, we, we post stuff every day, so it's almost like looking at a Facebook feed. But um, we 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 have live streams, and we have um, and so we do interviews on Zoom as well. So actually, funny that the hypnotherapist that was thinking off there. Um, so we an interview with her on Zoom, and then we have nice studio interviews that we were able to do before lockdown. Yes. Um, and then there people send us stuff like, like the hypnotherapist sent um audio that you can download and, then, and we're gonna we can, and then the live streams we're gonna be able to start doing um like maybe get somebody to do like a yoga live stream or or whatever oh, yeah. for, for people who um have subscribed so there's a lot of different ways to get information there um, but it's mostly just it's about just said we're all feeling things we're all feeling these things and we're not talking about it and I think it's become heightened at the minute because people if you were used to working in an office or used to going into a workplace you're missing all those micro conversations now absolutely word of mouth Mm -hmm. and so we're you know a lot of the comments that we get at the minute are people saying um I'm at home with three kids and you're keeping me company yeah I know we're missing those connections and even like even like sort of small things all adds up and so it's just, it's just really trying to connect people that's brilliant um and you know what's really interesting i could tell you what kira daly's um logo's like not her face until you posted <laughs> oh really so now you've seen it's, it's that beautiful thing of her name goes before her. like i would know all the branding and all those um things well that's brilliant um and i am always talking about how um making your mark in the world and longevity and that feels like a really beautiful way for you to put your stamp on reaching people and even you're saying about the messages you could I suppose you, if you could redirect people to the app that would kind of well that's but that's, just, but the, when I got all those messages I'm thinking people want to talk about stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they want to hear people talking about stuff and there's yeah. something that's really powerful about sort of seeing somebody else in the same situation as you or a yeah. similar situation that I had really underestimated um until like when I was getting those messages from people who had lost people um, by suicide maybe 15, 20 years ago when they were sending me a message going, like, I know you're really hurting now, but this and this and this, mm-hmm. and you will be better. And so I feel like it's, um, and, uh, do you know what? I feel as well that I'm, I'm showing people my progression through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, one of the things my, my auntie actually told me about this, I hadn't, have you ever heard of post-traumatic growth? No. 
So you hear all the time about post-traumatic stress disorder, yeah. but there is another, um, I want to say condition, but there's another phenomenon or whatever it is, post-traumatic growth, okay. where you experience a trauma and it has this like, impact on you that makes you reassess your life and think, right, I life's too short, I need to do this, this and this. And it makes you change the way you live the rest of your life, um, but in a, in, a, in a positive way. Well, I would always say that about my dad having died when I was seven, you know, um, uh, friends of mine who also have um, lost a parent. There, I remember reading an article, something similar about how, like, your, you know, death, I know it's, it sounds very dark, but the, your outlook on life is definitely different because, like, you're constantly reminded that life is short, but then also talk about fear and about things being crippling. Um, but what advice would you give to anybody who is... Uh, well, you've already said there about like who today is just like, oh, I couldn't be bothered with my business. Can we bother with anything? And I know you've given great nuggets there already. And thank you for being so open. Um, or anybody who's thinking about doing a little bit of a shift in career. You know, you're saying about you were in a year and a half in QVC and then you changed. Was that just listening to an inner voice or? Um... I think it is. I think it's, um, I'm quite good at knowing, right, I've come to the end of this now, I'm going to you know, move on and, okay. you know, I, I suppose, yeah, I think a lot of it has been intuitive. I think, I mean, leaving the college was, at the time, everybody was saying to me, what are you doing? But I just knew in here, and that's really hard to kind of explain, you know, but I mean, your intuition is a sense in the same way as sight and sound and whatever, yeah. you just have yeah. to change it. Um, and giving yourself the space and time, you know, you're saying at the minute, like one step at a time, but it's amazing how I know that thing that the universe has got your back, but you know, whenever you've sat yeah. and you're a bit more still and the open water swimming is what like is mental start of the day, but also the most refreshing. I just actually listened to a podcast and a guy, um, he's got a book out, but he was saying he took, started taking a cold shower as a joke every day. And then he was like, it's changed my life. So um, mm. similar to that, but just lastly to wrap up, um, what are you reading any books at the minute do you know what i am reading a book and it's sitting about here somewhere do you know i'm reading this book about stoicism stoicism how do you pronounce it about, yes but i'm really bad at knowing what's that mean again the stoics are kind of like the old thinkers like marcus aurelius and like it's going way 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 back and it's it, you talk like, about someone being stoic right okay got you yeah where it's like something awful is happening but you're like i've got it you know, you just kind of like, and that you, you feel the pain and you and you almost embrace it yeah. because you know you're going to be able to conquer it. Um, and have you ever read that poem, Invictus? No. Um, it, it's the one that ends, um, actually I have it, um, I'm not going to read the whole poem, my phone, but I have uh, like a wee screensaver just of the, um, the words, hold on, it's like, um, I'm the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul, as the last few lines, it's quite a, it's quite a short poem. But it, it, it's all about something that's just sort of like, you know, um, out of the night that covers me. And it's like, but it's about awful things happening, but you're like a rock and you're like, that's all right, because I'm really strong. And that, um, you know, I'm the master of my fate. So it's like, all these things are happening, but that's all right, because I'm in charge of me. And, you know, just kind of knowing, I think it was Hillary Clinton said recently, it was like about the, the vaccines. We can do hard things. That's right. That's, right. that's it. Yeah. Um, I have Lee Telford as well, who is um, I, I was working with or she was sort of in a counselling 
uh, coaching type capacity there and I've never really like warmed anything like that but um I felt like she really did uh, teach me that idea of like you are or like you're diving into the water but you're safe in the water you are yeah. so it's the, it's the for me it's knowing that that is an option because you, you feel fear and you think run away but there's this other option of just looking at it and, yeah. and pushing through it and the more you do that it's like me with the um with not wanting to go to the house the more you do that the more you realize and that's what the cold water swimming is actually about too because whenever you um you put your your body under controlled stress you get into the, the water it's less than five degrees your body knows what it's doing and it brings all the blood into your organs and but it, tra- it trains your like your vascular system to and then you then in the future when you're under a stressful situation your body's like I know what I'm doing yeah and that's it and it's you know um Claire I'm, Kelly I'm, who I interviewed last week and um, she's a therapist and she said about just sitting in the fear I thought that was really good just sit in it yeah it's there brilliant well thank you sorry oh sorry one of what I wanted to just help them but the book the book I'm reading is um it's each day is a quote so it's like one of those ones where each day is a page so there's a okay. quote and then it explains it in like a daily reading but that's as much as I can handle at the minute I can't read a book because I have yeah. no attention span because of the brain fog from the grief but I'm just doing that wee tiny thing which is right I can read this today and it gets something to think about and then I go about my day um so and I'm, I'm not saying like people oh, don't read books but if you are in that place where you know you just you just find and I know a lot of people are feeling it with um with oh, yeah. minute, your brain's just like what's happening and if your attention span's gone this is good because it's a wee nugget but you're still reading something Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I talk about nuggets. There's been lots there. Um, I really appreciate your time as well. Um, it's been so lovely to see you. And for everybody um, that's listening, you can find Kate Conway. You're Radio Kate still, aren't you, on Instagram? At radio.kate. Oh, it's Kate with a C. Kate with a C, yes. Um, and on Twitter as well. I think it's I think it's at Radio Kate, but all one word. But yeah, if you search for Kate Conway, C A T E. Okay. And if people what what where do you want people to find um what do you want them to listen to now or how to get to you on the on social? Would that be? Yes. And then if they want to look at the app, it's um the Life Lounge. It's on the the app stores. If you want to have a look at that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Um, and if you just subscribe, then you can listen to all the interviews. I would say this has definitely been um, my strongest and most exciting. I've talked about it for so long um, and um, I had interviews before, but it feels like now we're on a real powerful role. So thank you for joining me, Kate. And everybody, thanks for listening and I'll see you on the other side. <laughs>